Welcome to The Nix, where we talk about pop culture until we can't stand it anymore and we nix it. I'm Justin Hartung. And I'm Fanny Darling. As always, we're going to give you a quick warning. There might be spoilers for anything we talk about on this podcast, but we always do our best to let you know that they're coming. This week, we're talking about new TV, including Ryan Murphy's new show, The Politician, the Transparent series finale, and the fourth season premiere of The Good Place, plus some other network stuff we watch so you don't have to. Unless you want to. Okay, so as always, rate and review us on iTunes or the podcast app of your choice that lets you do that. I think maybe Stitcher does. I don't know. You, you're all much more technical folks than we are. So figure it out and say nice things or whatever you think. Uh, be honest. That's what we like most. Um, so this week, we are going to treat our format a little differently. We watched a lot of TV for you guys. Uh, first, Fanny's going to talk about the TV she watched. Then we're going to talk about things we both watched. And then I'll finish up with some TV, movies, and music of my own. Finally, we'll wrap up with the second installment of our read-along of The Testaments, which was uh, Margaret Atwood's sequel to The Handmaid's Tale. We've got thoughts. So, Fanny, what did you do in pop culture this week that was on your own? Strap in, guys. Here we go. I watched Emergence. Uh, this is kicking off our theme of this week's show, which is everything lives and dies on the casting. If you care about the cast, you may be more inclined to watch the show. This stars Allison Tolman, Clancy Brown, and Donald Faison. Um, it's probably about aliens from what I can tell. And as empathy mom, I don't even care that it's about space and aliens. It's about a mom protecting a kid who may or may not be an alien and is definitely in danger. I'm going to say this a lot. This is not a good show. <laughs> I gave it about 15 minutes. Yeah, it's not a good show, you guys. I am not recommending it. I love Donald Faison. I love Clancy Brown. I love Alison Tolman. I find the mom thing charming. Don't watch this show. I will probably watch it until they take it off the air or two episodes. Uh, it's it could not get great. better if, the, if it gets more interesting, right? right. Like, it uh, could get more yeah. interesting. It has some British guy in it. He looks kind of cute. Whatever. Did you get to the British guy? No. Yeah. <laughs> He's cute. Anyway, yeah. Watch it or don't. It doesn't matter. 911, the baby didn't die. I cried twice. Uh, this uh, is 911 for me. It's a cathartic cry. Some people live, some people die. I hate Jennifer Love Hewitt. If you didn't uh, listen to us last week, I was, I think I talked about it. I was very concerned about a fake baby dying in the in the commercial and i maybe nixed it i can't even remember um but i was i nixed it in my head and so and a lot to me off air yeah, yeah. and so fanny had to let us know the baby did not die spoiler for nine one one tsunami season yeah it's in the first episode it's even before the tsunami it's 15 seconds it's quite obviously a fake baby and chimney has it in his arms nobody is going to let chimney have a dying baby Jim chimney has had enough trauma all right trust me it's not going to happen anyway I sorry I I missed I prejudged you mixedish. You're very charming show. Uh, apparently, if you put twenty pounds on Zach Morris, he suddenly becomes super charming and sweet. I don't and, think I realized he was in that show. Yeah, he he is the dad 
um, he is the dad in the mixed family. He's a super hippie. It's actually very sweet and has Gary Cole running around saying things like, hi, hippies. Uh, <laughs> it's I actually, actually I cried twice. It has very interesting and funny lines. Uh, Rainbow at one point describes her sister as being eight years old, but still complaining like a woman with no kids and on her third divorce, which is a great line. She describes her aunt as a TSA agent, the personality of a TSA agents before they knew what their personalities were. Very descriptive things that make a lot of sense as you're watching it. I think this is going to be fun. I like the rest of the other shows. Maybe I was just, I don't know. I don't know why I thought I wasn't going to like it. I was wrong. I liked it. Survivor's back. Nobody cares. Uh, Prodigal Son. (laughs) Wow, you guys, I have a lot to say about a show I really hated. I tuned the, I tuned into this thinking this will be the thing that you hate. Only I had no idea that I had this much capacity to hate something as much <laughs> as I did. Accent cop first thing in full effect. Both the leads, Michael Sheen and whoever the hell is play, playing the, the son character. I don't care. I'm not looking it up. It's so bad. Both of them have terrible accents. Um, this is Silence of the Lambs if it started when Cl- Cl- Clarice was a child and Hannibal was her dad. <laughs> um, there isn't a cliche that doesn't get hit. There are literal heads in jars in some, one of the crime scenes. I'm not kidding. Like the big glass, like, oh, isn't this cool? Jars full of fucking heads. I'm not kidding. But then Bellamy Young. I love you, Bellamy Young. Why are you doing this to me? She plays the mom. She's very upper crust. I love you, Bellamy Young. You're awesome. Um, It has snappy dialogue that it thinks is really, really cute, including things like one cop says, oh, well, they're a VIC. VIC? Very important cadaver. Yeah, somebody wrote that. So did you talk about this last week no i told you and i i ranted to you about this okay. at the bar i made a futurama joke at some point about the yes. heads and jars but yeah. maybe that was a that was about preview. the challenge and oh, tj lavin got yes. it got it there is an imprisoned serial killer here. that's michael sheen he's imprisoned he's been imprisoned for years he was a doctor as a serial killer his nickname was the surgeon so probably it makes sense that while he's imprisoned people bribe other guards to allow him to still treat see and perform surgeries on patients yeah that's probably a thing that happens even even in our fucked up prison system i don't believe this it was ridiculous lou diamond phillips yeah script explaining go ahead explain to me how profiling works because i haven't been reading thomas harris since 1985 (laughs) Or John Douglas. Oh, my God. There's an actor. Her name is Halston Sage on this show. That's not her fault. I actually looked to make sure that, she, that, she, that this is her given name. So I want to serial kill her parents. <laughs> this show, oh, my God. 24, it has ripoffs from 24s because at 45 minutes, what it probably need was, needed was a bomb plot that includes a hand amputation. That's probably what this show needed. Because you're asking for a hand amputation? That's that bad? Right? (laughs) Because that's what they needed instead of a script doctor, a director, and a fucking (laughs) plot, and a cast. Okay, I'm done. 
this show is so bad, you guys. I mean, like, if you thought, like, The Following was the worst show you've ever seen and you hate-watched that, this may be for you, but even this may be too much. Is this CBS, or? Oh, no, this is Fox. Fox. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, how many did you watch? Oh, there's only one. There's I think the one. other one okay. dropped tonight. Yeah, I, I don't even know that I'll go back. It's that bad. Wow. Okay, the unicorn. Walton Goggins plays the widowed dad who decides to maybe start dating again. He's got two daughters. This show's not bad. It's not great. It has very piloty pilot. Goggins is incredibly charming. Both of the kids are cute without being obnoxiously precocious. It includes such lines as this is like the Disney Channel Grey Gardens when they come into his house and he's not dealing well. What's the network? CBS. Okay. It's a very CBS show. It's like they, they should they might as well just back it up against mom and be done with but it. Not a Chuck Lorre. No, joint. it's not Chuck okay. Lorre. It, there is no laugh track, thank you, and it is still single single camera. I will watch this show probably more other I bet this will get a second season and be canceled. It's not offensive. It's fine. Yeah. Okay, I watched on netflix because uh shout out to our bartender and my boss two very different people who both told me watch blown away on netflix which is a glass blowing competition show what that's what i said okay it's really fun and it includes lots of people breaking their shit and being crushed so beautiful art and crushing the human spirit i'm all there for it uh i'm about halfway through it it's good how different are the sort of scenes each week of them making glass. Well, they give them a a project, a theme that they have to create an art piece to go along with. So it's kind of like, remember that uh, Bravo art show that they had? Like right. whatever the hell it was called. It's like that only with blown art. I love blown the idea art. of making art on right. reality shows. That's I'm all for that. Yep. And sometimes they break their glass in the last 15 minutes and then they cry. Okay. So that's not, not in a fit of anger and just a... No, okay. it's like, oh, I'm almost done and I'm carrying it over and, and it falls breaks. off the thing and it shatters. Yeah. Crushing the human spirit. I'm into it. Evil. CBS's uh, follow, uh, the King's follow-up to The Good Fight or The Good Wife, I guess, depending we on which. We weren't kidding about Fanny taking the hits for you on, yeah, yeah. on network TV here. I love you all. <laughs> this is the guy from Luke Cage, Mike Coulter, who is undeniably one of the hottest things walking walking around on two legs. Also, accent cop. The, mo- the the female lead in this is from the Netherlands, and she really sounds like she's from the Netherlands. It's a great accent, but it's not American. This is the good wife people trying to do the X-Files? Is it set with- in the same universe? I, I hope know. not. It's not the same character, so okay. I don't think so. With a little bit of the exorcist thrown in, we need a big, hot black priest and his cronies that don't believe. Only he's not quite a priest yet, so that maybe you can think that they're going to, you know. Again, this is not a good show. You, um, you were saying it sounded more fun last I, time I talked to you. It's fun. I, I know, but I don't want anybody to look at this. <laughs> much like 911, much like Nashville, I know this isn't good, Okay. It's really, really fun. This is, you know, the skeptic woman and the hot priest trying to figure out if uh, exorcism is really needed because is it actually a possession or is the person just trying to get out of culpability for serial killings? And 
throw in a weird demon named George who has kind of quippy dialogue that's way better than the very important cadaver thing. <laughs> it's well written, kind of, for what it is. Do we it, think it's going to veer away from demons and church? No. Or is that its, oh, well, it's all I, That's demons. its whole thing okay. is not necessarily demons and church, but its whole thing is investigating paranormal. And the Luke Cage, Mike Coulter character is the believer. And then he has the, the woman psychiatrist and then the other like ghost hunter guy. And they both do not believe. So there might be ghosts. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right, I, I'm in. It's worth it. Try it. It's fun. Do not expect this to be a great show and you'll have a good time. Succession. Oh my god, you guys. Nicholas Braun is killing this show. He's amazing. He's great. Kieran Culkin's line readings are so unbelievably good every week that I just... Sometimes I go back and watch them four or five times just because of how amazing he is. James Cromwell came through with this week's big zinger, which was uh, the Logan Roy School of Journalism, What's Next, the Jack the Ripper Women's Health Center. Which tells you exactly who Logan Roy is without you even ever having to watch any of the show. Um, side characters are killing it. This show is really, really good. The uh, sister who is like the next to youngest. Okay, there's the three Roy children and then there's one older ch- child who's from a different marriage. And she is taunting. He's Alan Ruck, played by Alan Ruck, Ruck the older kid, who's now running for president, by the way. <laughs> And she calls him the first pancake. <laughs> and because, you know, the first pancake always sucks because the pan's not ready. <laughs> and this show is just really smart and I love it and I'm done. Okay. Um, did you read the variety piece with Kenneth Lonergan about uh, Kieran Culkin, basically? Um, it's really funny. You should read it. It's uh, basically how much he respects Kieran Culkin and how much he never wants to say that in print because he's an obnoxious little twerp. Right? Um, sure. You should read the article. It's pretty funny. Oh, I will. Uh, I will. I can't tell the whole thing sort of just taking the piss or whether right. he really he means it. He probably does mean it. I mean, it sounds like it. Um, it's a funny article. It's on Variety. You should read it. Um, and I haven't watched that show and they need to at some point. It's, it's, I don't want to say skip the first season because don't. Because it does pay off. Some people are saying, oh, go back. It pays off second viewings. I don't think it does. I think that once you get into the second season, you realize that it has been doing this all along. And that you just didn't know it. So, nice. yeah. It's a great show. It's great. So, now in our Endless TV um, episode, we are going to talk about things that we both saw. Uh, the Good Place debuted its fourth season, which is crazy uh, that it's already in its fourth season. Um, it, watching this, and they even did a little recap, I had trouble remembering what the hell happened last season. Um, a lot moved quickly at the end of last season. Yes. Um, can you give us a little recap of where we were? And then, uh, no, we're going to probably for this segment of these three things talk about spoilers for all these things. So, uh, you know, one shrimp, two, oh my God, I, if I blow a good place countdown, I'm really going to blow it. Bring it. <laughs> uh, one shrimp, two, uh, light elephants, uh, three, uh, Forks? car jingles. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, all right. Spoilers coming for the good place. Give us a little uh, wrap up of what happened last season. 
and then tell us what you thought of the, the premiere. Okay, so wrap-up of last season, Michael discovers that the bad place is rigging the scores so that nobody is getting into the good place. He goes to the judge with this. The judge says, okay, so we'll do it. And they say, oh, no, we're not really doing that. People just suck. And she says, okay, so we'll do an experiment. We will choose actual humans. We will create a good place. Demons get to send some people, get to pick the humans. You have to try and improve them. In the meantime, Chidi realizes that he can't be a part of the experiment because he, ethically, it would upset him to lie to everybody and he can't pretend that he's not in love with Eleanor. So he goes to Eleanor and he says, wipe my memories. They wipe his memories. So we have the whole added thing of her knowing that they're in love and him not knowing. And season four. Building the... This is the final season? Yes. Okay. Building the, the, the fake good place and choosing the humans to enter the experiment. That's where we are. What'd you think? Um, now that you've given me a little recap, it helps a little bit. I still don't totally remember or connect with the whole cheaty thing. I, mean, I remember it happened, but it all happened very suddenly and I didn't quite buy the motivation for it. So that just seems like a, somebody needed to forget contrivance. Um, it, it feels so far like a bit of a reboot of season one, um, which is fair. If it's your final season, you sort of have to kind of go back to where you started. That's a very tried and true thing of sitcoms um, or situ- whatever. Situational. Yeah, situational comedy. It is That's a sitcom. A sitcom. Um, I, I think this show is still cute. I'm happy to have it back. It did make me giggle. The, um, you know, shiny elephants. So good. I will let you do some of the line readings of that. Um, there were Stonehenge lots Stonehenge of- was a sex thing. <laughs> a lot of funny, good zingers i still really really love um kristen bell i love the whole cast um it does seem like it's spinning its wheels a tiny bit i don't know where they're possibly going to go this season that's gonna sort of be that interesting but i will still watch it it's in my list of just kind of like this there's i don't know it's a pleasant way to spend a half hour um it confirmed what we all knew which is that the Demons theme song is the 1-800-CARS-FOR-KIDS song. Pretty good joke. Pretty yeah. good joke. Especially us being around who were around. This, yes. Dave really hates this song and the spelling of cars. I think it's still a thing. Oh, it's, oh, it's yeah. still absolutely a thing. It's just that when I see it, I think of Dave yelling about it. So it's just... It, they're connected in my brain. I think we need to get rid of. Uh, we need to do some character pruning. Manzukas. Oh, Manzukas is guy. And I like him. And I adore Manzukas, yeah. but he's got to go. Mindy from the Medium Place. Like, what is she doing right. there? And then it's suddenly like bad Janet is. Bad. It just feels like a lot is in the air. And right. I mean, at least they just brought bad Janet in for the zinger at the end. Yeah, Let her I say don't know. a line. I think she's going to be in more of it. But uh, oh, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, what did you think of it? I think I enjoyed it slightly more than you did. Um, I was glad to have it back. I now have the meme of poor overwhelmed Janet saying, uh, cool, I'm not busy or anything, so that will be easy. Literally in half the emails I send, it's okay. been three days. Okay, They're going... careful with that. Oh, no, no. <laughs> They're... They're to the right people. I'm okay. not going to send them to the superintendent, <laughs> but... Trust me, the way this year is going, this is the least of anyone's problems. But I love Janet. I, again, I think this show is funny. I think it's smart. I think the jokes for, per minute are fabulous. I think if you can walk, if you look at all everything that's going around, you 
the names of the stores. There's always something to look at. There's always something to laugh at. I really enjoyed it. I can't remember what the lasagna store's name was, but it was real funny. And I was going to remember, and I didn't write it down, so I forgot. That's why I write everything down. I, I'm i glad it's here. I'm glad it exists in the world. I think the cast is great. I'm so happy that William Jackson Harper got this show because I think he's really talented, and I'm so glad it's going to take him someplace. Which one Darcy, is he? Darcy uh, Cheedy. Ah. Uh, Darcy Corden. Oh, my God. You're brilliant. You're great. Go on into the world and be amazing. And that's what I think. It's, nice. I'll have more to say as it goes on. Yeah, we'll probably talk about this a little more. Yeah. And, and you know, I will say The Good Place often we've talked about. It sort of starts and I'm a little underwhelmed and then it often gets better and then I'm, <laughs> I'm disappointed at the end. We'll see if it follows that same pattern. Probably will. Um, all right. Do you want, should we and also, a politician? Stonehenge was a sex thing. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> watch it just with a shiny elephant. Brilliant. And it's so cute. Yeah, it's it's really this cute. tiny little glowing elephant that yeah. tells world truths. And Maya Rudolph's... Um, Little cameo actually cracks me up. I like She's her. always very fun. Yeah, yeah, it's fun to see her. And she had a double kill this week. Um, she was on the premiere of SNL, which we turned off after the first 10 minutes, but it did have her as Kamala Harris. Very, very funny. So check that out if you haven't, because the internet clamored and it came through. Perfect. Nice. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about The Politician. Okay. Politician is Ryan Murphy's first show in his big I give me $300 million deal with Netflix. Uh, this is Ben Platt and Zoe du- uh, Deutsch and Lucy Boynton because she needs to be around fucking up her accent. This She played, she was in Bohemian Rhapsody with Malik. She ah. was the Mary. Um, David Corenswet? I don't, know, any of I don't know if that's how you say his name or not, but Murphy directed the pilot, second episodes by Janet Mock, and the third by Helen Hunt. This is the story of a high school senior who goes to extremely wealthy school in Santa Barbara and has decided that because he wants to be president, he has to A, go to Harvard, and B, be president of the student body. And hijinks ensue in rich Santa Barbara way. And also, it has a mental health warning that pops up at the beginning of its episode. Oh, I haven't seen that. Yes, it says this is supposed to be a comedy. However, if you have mental health issues, you may want to think twice. Oh, how funny. Or if you have triggers around mental health issues, you may want to think twice about stepping into our depths. Which is more than I've ever seen on a Ryan Murphy show where there, where he kind of boots around this stuff like it's nothing. So it kind of gave me a, a moment of, oh, maybe you're growing up a little bit, Ryan Murphy. What'd you think? I, you know, Ryan Murphy has traditionally not been my thing. Sometimes when he is my thing, like the first couple seasons of Glee, um, maybe the first season of American Horror Story, um, definitely all of Pose. Uh, I think he's a good force in the world. I'm happy to have him doing all of this stuff. Uh, this was not my jam. Uh, it felt very indebted to kind of the... Dave said Hal Ashby, and I was thinking some of the Mike Nichols. It has sort of a 60s, 70s political comedy, almost like vaguely Altmanish. Graduate? Yeah, graduate. Yep. Like some of that's baked in there. But that's a hard thing to pull off, and it's yep. very of its time. I did not get the tone of this thing. It felt all over the place. Is it a satire? Does it expect us to care about its trans characters or its disabled characters? Which, again, 
It's know, a very Murphy abled. thing, too. Um, Murphy is so good at hiring different abled actors and just putting them in the story and not in an exploitative way. Um, He's also really not always great about then not poking at them, too, though very yeah. glee of, okay, let's have the popular rich girls say the kind of mean thing that I'm pretending I don't believe. It's true. He and has a sort of mean... Still falls into that trap. to him. Yeah. And, you know, I, I like... Some of this, I thought some of it was funny. I Jessica Lang was, as always, just oh. continues to be like, how are you so good in this kind of junky script? Um, ben Platt, I guess, is from Broadway, and yeah. I, I don't really get that. I'm like, if you're not singing, dude, I don't really care about Although you. Although when he sings. Does he sing in the show, finally? Yeah, is that you, a... you saw him sing in the first episode. He sings at the guy's <sighs> funeral. He sang the song you loved. Oh, the yeah. Joni Mitchell thing, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Nah, this show's not. If I already forgot that, this show's definitely not doing. You it liked for me. it while it was happening. Yeah, I'm just saying. it's just. Uh, also, I can't go over the fact that everybody is at least thirty. I can't buy this high school thing. It really is like painfully ridiculous I to watch. Do think that it jumps back and forth? So I think that's why they hired older actors. I do think that I've read that I've only watched three episodes. That yeah, it does kind of go back and forth. So I get kind of why they needed older actors. Does the third but, episode really take a different jump in quality or if I'm not liking it two episodes in, should I not keep going? No, I don't think it, I don't think it's enough of a difference okay. that, that it would, right. if you're not with it, through the second episode, you're not going to be with it. And it's also, we should all point out, like, the mystery uh, is basically the plot of the uh, the true story about the woman who's munchausing. Right, right. And if proxy, you know that the, story. What's that? What's that? The, the Mommy Dear. Oh, the, the act. The act. The Patricia Arquette right. thing. The, the actual uh, uh, Mommy Dearest and Dead, I believe, right. is the name of the documentary. I'm sure um, there's some twist this thing has a, up its sleeve about right. it. Um but it's just not enough for me to keep going. Also, rich Santa Barbara Fox. Like, I, just, I get you on that, though. Don't. It's like, unless you're being a little more skewery with these characters, I just, I, this is not the show for me right now. Yeah, I will give him, I am glad that he handed directing reins over immediately to other people. Uh, and the people that he handed it over to seem to be really good up-and-coming people that need the breaks and so thanks ryan murphy for sharing your 300 million dollars and that. giving people like janet mock and helen hunt and female uh directors that might not get the chance otherwise not that helen hunt's you know down on her luck but she i haven't seen her name on a lot of things for directing so and they will probably keep this show running yes. on the rails whereas yep. he kills it he goes crazy about the next thing exactly so, so. yeah Anything else you want to say about it that you liked no. or? Uh, no, I I'm, I think I'm good. Okay. Um, will you keep watching? Oh, it? I do. I do have something. I did like. I know that you say he puts the people in and then he doesn't say what he's going to say about them. I did like much like this. Come one, come all. Uh, MTV thing that I was talking about last last week. I very much liked the fact that it wasn't a big deal that people weren't blackmailing each other for being gay that um that that bisexuality was just accepted that we didn't have to get a definition on the trans character that's that's i, I just happen to know the actor's trans actor because i do but that's in the character it's not ever talked about it's not ever i like this new young youth forward way of presenting 
it's not so important that we label people and it's not so important that we make their stories about their gender identity or their sexual orientation. And I want to see more of that. I want to see more of it doesn't matter and we don't need to talk about it. And if you let us, we will just move you forward. And I thought that was really, I, I enjoyed that. And in a fairly Murphy-ish, Murphy-esque move, um, you know, both the trans character and the character of cerebral palsy are certainly not valorized. They oh, like no. nope. are just regular people with good yep. sides and bad sides. And yep. sometimes the bad sides sort of outweighs things. And that is, you know, that's Absolutely. kind of refreshing to see real, like, equal representation. Yep. Um, Without it being over the top, like, sometimes that, yeah, yeah. Or, oh, look, well, I'm so cool. I made the differently abled person a complete asshole, yep. you know? No, right. these are these are characters that are varied, and yep. and sometimes they're better, sometimes they're worse. That yeah, reminds and me I did a little like of that. Heathers at times. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, it's got a lot of that big Yeah. Game. All right, should we move on to Transparent? Yep. Okay, so Transparent uh, is in its God, what, fifth season, sixth season? This is the fifth forgetting. season is one episode. Fifth final season is its musical finale after, for anybody who doesn't know, Jeffrey Tambor uh, was accused of uh, sexual harassment by more than one person on the set. Um, and he is gone, and this is a show that had... Him uh, as Mora is the central character. It's a show that got a lot of flack for casting a non-trans person in that role to begin with. Um, during the course of this show, uh, the creator Jill Soloway came out as uh, non-binary themselves. And it, uh, I think, has baffled a lot of people in the last couple seasons as it's veered into these characters, which often were not likable. They felt very L.A. rich kind of whiny whatever um this show uh yeah i think it lost a bit of its steam from the first couple seasons and people maybe stopped watching it and so two i will say it right out of the gate making a two-hour musical finale with songs written by uh jill's sister faith uh is quite a swing did that swing work for you Penny? meh i mean i didn't watch the last season i it wasn't i liked the first three seasons just fine. I was never completely enamored of this show. I didn't trust nor like Jeffrey Tambor from the beginning. So for me, it was like, why do I want to watch this guy in what I felt like was this sort of like vanity project for him of look how interesting I am and look what I can do. And I, you know, I didn't necessarily think he should be cast to begin with. And then I wasn't that interested in watching him do it. The reason I kept watching it was the rest of the cast, who I thought were great. The writing was good most of the time. Plot lines were at least usually interesting. Um, so I am not its target audience. I didn't hate that I watched it. I did not. It did not reach out and grab me by the throat and, you know, amaze me. Um Again, I think Gabby Hoffman is amazing. I thought she was fabulous in that. Judith Light, everybody says how amazing she is and incredible in this. And she is. I will give her that. I, I'm not sorry I watched it. Sorry. No, that's fine. I think a lot of people have had that reaction. Um, anything else? No, it didn't, okay. it didn't offend me. Yeah. 
And so this is going to be one of those hearts beat loud thing where <laughs> this is pretty close to the top of my best pop culture of 2019. And I feel like I'm completely on my own bizarre little island. I, somebody who had mixed feelings about much of this show's run, um, was blown away by, for me, how it crystallized its themes and kind of had to jump forward sort of looking at the long run of this show, I think they knew how flawed its characters were very sort of realistically, but they put you through a lot of seeing the sort of painfully obnoxious sides of them, but they were getting to something, which was basically right. That everybody's sort of, there's a song in this new, this finale called my, your boundary is my trigger, which I think is the thesis for the show, essentially of boundaries, uh, whether it's between gender, whether it's between Israel and Palestine, whether it's between men and women. Um, these are boundaries that we have sometimes for a reason. And sometimes just because it's sort of built into society. Um, but those boundaries themselves, um, can also be very triggering <laughs> and hurt people and damage people. I think this show did an amazing job of really once uh, Tambor was gone focusing on Judith Light's character Shelley as uh, Mora's uh, wife who has been very kind and patient but is also a giant uh, codependent mess who never really did anything for herself they sort of bring up the fact throughout the show that she's had her own abusive mother she's sort of taken it out on her kids in many ways although she thought she was doing a good job um, I just found this completely moving completely if you listen to the lyrics of this thing it just to me just like having to sit down and think what is the two-hour thesis of what we were trying to say with this four season plus two-hour kind of show and they did a to me a brilliant job i think it's one of the rare finales that improves on everything you watched because it's just like oh yeah we landed the thesis and maybe it feels a little clinical that way which i think the show felt clinical a lot of the time yeah um and so maybe that's sometimes why like tambor didn't connect even beyond all the sort of creepy feelings and whatever like he it never really felt like he was inhabiting that role and so having him gone and they do this brilliant thing in this where they cast uh her name is shakina nifak and she's a new york theater person she sort of plays basically the role of uh mora but she's also uh gabby hoffman's character's um pot dealer and ends up also in judith light's play about the family um and stands in as this amazing, like, corrective to not originally hiring a trans character. And I just, I, God, I can't stop thinking about this thing. I do want to play uh, a little of a song, uh, Where Have You Been? I, also, I need to preface this with, I don't like musicals. Like, I don't like, I definitely don't like Andrew Lloyd Webber, who did um, Jesus Christ Superstar. This thing has been flirting with Jesus Christ Superstar for like two seasons now the music has been a big part of it this is like an improvement on weber and a mishmash of like weber and yentl and sondheim and like it's this funny just completely unabashed unembarrassed mishmash of things about sort of jewish culture and about queer culture that i just it it blew me away. I can't stop thinking about it. I've watched it twice now, and I keep listening to the soundtrack. Let's take a, l a little bit of a listen to Where Have You Been uh, with uh, Jay Duplass, Gabby Hoffman, and Amy Landecker, who I thought was fantastic in this uh, two-hour thing. She's a great singer, and just I thought she really showed in this. Where do we go? We can't go home. I can't take this in right. 
from the transparent finale the one other thing i wanted to say is there's this beautiful kind of refrain in it about run from your father's house and literally in the beginning of the episode they're leaving their father's house because they found out that their mother their other parent has basically uh left it to her trans best friend who's been supportive and not to the kids because the kids have felt like they've been supportive but they haven't in their own ways and they're running from it like what do we do we've lost our fantasy of patriarchy and the that line comes back in the show as being like, oh, God, like everybody needs to run from the patriarchy. This is what's hurting us all and what Mora's character did in memory. And it also becomes about um, really, I think, how much harder it is for women sometimes to navigate uh, sort of queer identity. Like it's sort of more painful and harder. It's easy. I think some of the show was about Mora's ease in, in sort of transitioning and how much easier that is for men in some ways and leaves in its wake all of these um you know women women or women identified characters um sort of struggling with the pieces of this so um yeah i don't know that's my transparent thoughts sorry that was a lot i really loved it i'm glad um, i really am <laughs> so also i wanted to talk about uh <laughs> It's a little bit of a letdown. Pop culture this week that I did. Um, I will run through these fast because after talking about Transparent, I feel like they all feel sort of silly. Connors, uh, season two. Um, it was about even with last season. Uh, Sarah Gilbert and Laurie Metcalf continue to be the best reason to watch this thing. The jokes are still kind of corny. I don't really like a couple of the performances. I don't want to be mean. Michael Fishman. Uh, Lacey, Sh what's her name? The Chabert. Chabert. She's yeah. not good either. Uh, John Goodman is feels a little like he's sleepwalking through this thing. I don't think he necessarily wants to be in it. Um, it's, it's funny. It's better than your average sitcom. Um, I, I would say it's on par with Mom, which had its season seven. Um, which, seven? Yeah. Which oh, that's insane. Is still only brilliant because Alice and Janney continues to spin gold out of junk. There is a whole subplot in this episode where she is going on her honeymoon with her husband, uh, played by William Fichtner. And I love William Fichtner. Oh, he's great on the show. I know, and but I love him. he's bought these ridiculous, like, 
feminine sunglasses <laughs> and she is going on her honeymoon that's been building up to this marriage but she's an alcoholic she's spiraling out of control she's and her friends keep telling her you got to go to a meeting what even while you're on but she's like i can't go on a vacation for a week without going to a meeting i'm going screw you guys and then the whole time she's fixating on his feminine glasses <laughs> and she can't stand them and she makes a breakfast at tiffany's jokes it's terrible it would not work in any other show but alice and janney is a delight and um, goes to her meeting. And I also thought that was lovely, sort of talking very realistically about, you know, I don't know. I don't think any other show has treated some of this uh, addict sort of storyline stuff in a very practical, funny, gentle way. I think it's fairly revolutionary in that way. I wish all the characters in it weren't still a bunch of white women in Napa. That's pretty boring. Um, I watched a little of Disenchantment season two. This is the Matt Groening show uh, with Abby Jacobson from Broad City. It has become more and more like a uh, Game of Thrones parody in this season. Does it still have the cute little? Oh, it's still I got the demon thing. and the elf. I kind of like this show. I love the demon. I keep watching this show. It is, yeah, it's not particularly like bust a gut funny, but it makes me giggle. A, Fair amount. I think I laughed at this as much as I did, um, certainly, uh, The Good Place. So I will keep watching Disenchantment. Um, I watched Drag Race Season 1, which is, Fanny pointed out, newly available on uh, Amazon Prime. I've never seen it. It's not been available. This is the notorious film through a Vaseline lens oh, season of Drag Race. It's got fewer queens and is much shorter, which I did sort of enjoy. Um, it does not have Ms. Michelle Visage, which I did not enjoy. Um, Merle Ginsburg wasn't your thing? I, I don't even know who that is. I, was like, I don't know this? either, but I know her name. Yeah. And the it's interesting watching the queens on this one because some of them you're like, oh, you would have been fine on later seasons. They were, they're really mean to Chanel. <laughs> it's kind of shocking. I mean, she is sort of an annoying kind of kiss-ass, very Vegasy, but she's pretty talented. I don't think they really give her a fair shake. She's no Nina Flowers. Um, Nina Flowers is a lot of fun. I also like Pibi Zahara. So it's fun to sort of get to know some of these characters. Uh, and then there are definitely a few of them that you're like, who, what? Oh, my God, no wonder you've been forgotten. Um, Tammy, what's her name? Throwing shade at one of Dusty's child in the beginning. Yeah, I was, that's that was a bad not idea. okay. Um, so <laughs> going from gay to more gay, Dave and I <laughs> saw the Judy Garland uh, biopic Judy, uh, starring Renee Zellweger. Uh, this is not a great movie. Judy still deserves a better movie, but I think it's probably not. We're trying again. <laughs> it's just not. This is a hard story to pull off. It's a, she's a hard person to imitate. Um, I actually really liked Renee Zellweger way more than I thought I was going to. She really inhabits um, just a lot of the fragility, but also kind of funny zinginess, which I don't usually think of from Renee Zellweger. Like she feels in control of the zings in a cool way that I didn't, I've never seen her do that before because Judy was hilariously zingy and witty and funny and it gets that. Um, and the drug stuff is, they're pretty honest about it and it's sad and it's devastating. They do terrible flashbacks to Wizard of Oz aged Judy uh, on the set with, uh, you know, Louis B. Mayer. And it is really, I don't know, Dave's favorite joke about a biopic is the Jackson Pollock one with Ed Harris, where somebody says, you're really breaking through. Um, wow. Yeah. And it has that feeling of like, they don't, it's almost that the movie focuses on her last six month. I forget how long it was concert stint in London where she was really kind of, you know, falling apart on heavy drugs and was married to, you know, whatever, her fourth husband. And she gets some momentary 
um, rejuvenation out of the audience adoration. And that's kind of interesting. And I liked that they focus on this end period and, and delved into like some of these performances are god awful and some of them are sort of moving. But then they, it's almost like they felt like they had to do the biopic stuff and cram in this these flashbacks to sort of younger Judy. And it just it did not work at all, that part of it. Um, rent it, I'd say. Um, finally, I won't play any more music because I already played some Transparent. I want to say the new Pornographers, a band that I dearly love and have probably talked about on this podcast, have a new album called In the Morse Code of Brake Lights. It is a slightly car-themed um, album. It is fantastic. I am going to see them at Hardly Strictly Bluegrass this weekend. I'm very excited. Uh, should we talk about the Testaments? Sure, let's do it. Um, we're going to give spoilers, so if you are not interested in reading along or you are behind us, we will see you next week. Um, until then, we started at 25%. We made it to, uh, we went to 75%. Look at so us reading. we're getting into the heart of this sequel to The Handmaid's Tale, told by three female characters. What are you feeling, Justin? I'm still enjoying the heck out of it. It is super brisk. Uh, yes. It, yeah, it just moves right along. Um, I still don't think the writing is as good, but I... I, we were talking about this a little bit before. It feels almost... It's so funny because it's all about how you view this story from, and I knew it from the show first, and so it feels a little show-followy to me in a way that I didn't expect. It doesn't feel like it's necessarily inhabiting its own space enough. I don't know. Um, it just kind of feels like a, like a novelized continuation of the show or like a fill-in-the-blanks of the show or something. Um but I'm enjoying it. It's a really fun, fast-moving, uh, obviously thoughtful. I really think the Aunt Lydia story is great. I still don't know if... I keep getting hints that Aunt Lydia is, like, up to something. Oh, I think she's definitely yeah. up to something. Yeah. Um, I'm curious what that is, because it's weird, because you also get her interior monologue, and she doesn't seem totally up to something, so it's a weird... I don't know. Yeah, it's an unreliable I, narrator or something. I don't know that she's unreliable so much as she switched off some part of her when she stopped being the judge and stopped when she realized, in order to survive, I'm gonna shoot somebody in the head. Oh, those scenes are brutal. And I'm going to hand small children over to an old man who's going to use them up until he kills them. Um, and I'm going to continue to do that. So I switched off the judge part of me and I switched off the part of me that thought that I'm allowed to make my own decisions um, for a bit. And I think that a small part of it is coming back on like, or even more interesting, what I really think is happening is that she's seeing that the world that they're making is not being, is not going to sustain so what does she have to do to turn and change and survive when it dies? Yeah. And it's a very interesting portrayal and inner monologue of someone that's truly a survivor and maybe never really had much of a conscious herself. As much as she was a judge, I think she, the character has kind of showed, she looked at the books, she looked at the world around her, she looked with... She didn't really have her own morality. And I think it's very interesting and telling that she started to put into place things that will save her when Gilead falls while still surviving in Gilead. And I, I think that that's probably the most interesting story 
of the book. I do think that the other two girls' stories is building up around her and is going to be part of what culminates her survival or her failure. Do you feel... I mean, I feel a little bit like they are writing... Atwood is writing her character based on Endowed's performance. I, I keep feeling like read, having read the first book, you don't get as much of a sense of, oh God, this Endowed has brought this brilliant into life, but now I feel like she's following Endowed's performance a little bit. Right. Well, you don't. The only person you're seeing in Handmaid's Tale is Alfred. Yeah. And you meet Aunt Lydia, but only for a moment, and it's somewhat at the beginning it's probably only five years into gilead that 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 she's been there maybe that long maybe maybe three you know she she's been in another house before but you're you still get the feeling that gilead has only been gilead for a couple of years and so the idea that you wouldn't know too much about aunt lydia then is interesting um and and that it's of Fred's oral history is only about what she went through, and she separates from Aunt Lydia. Unlike in the show, where Aunt Lydia is still around, she's not around in the house. She's not, so you don't see her a lot. So, yes, and Dowd is brilliant, and I do see some of that in uh, Atwood's storytelling, but I also think that they wouldn't have been able to create the Aunt Lydia character without Atwood's... They, they sat down and talked to Atwood a lot before right. they put the pilot on on paper. And Did so she I... she already know she was writing a sequel by the time the show started? Has this I been in the works? I don't know. Okay. I, I think she kind of always wanted to, and I think it's been in the works for probably two or three years, but I don't know if it was before this went on... Yeah. on you know, on film. And not like it matters. It's a part of me that no. sort of likes that they're talking to each other, these right. two mediums. I think that's sort of interesting. It's just an observation. Well, and she is a yeah. producer. And like she said, look, I have done my own yelling at the show as well. And I've righted some of that. So I think she is willing to say, I took some of it and I righted what I wanted to write in my world. You yeah. know, the things that I thought that they kind of went off the rails on, I, in my world and in my Gilead, I put that on track. That doesn't mean I didn't take some of what we came up with together and what i think everybody would agree they came up with together was ann dowd's performance which is great and the other two plot lines nicole by the way i was right i mean i guess the obvious right yeah Uh, that uh nicole is in fact that character in canada and i was Um, only poking at you to see if you'd make a choice yes um (laughs) but yeah that character Especially as we get into Gilead and the sort of op, you know the operation or whatever, it's seen the mission seems a little. I don't. It's not quite clicking for me. It's suddenly you lose that character. Yeah, she um, and she doesn't. I mean, I guess it seems like if you had, were raised by parents of radicals, even if they were hiding that they were radicals, you yeah. wouldn't be quite so naive. It's, and her wide-eyedness about, something. oh, I love that boy yeah. who was protecting her. And I get... all right, and she's, she's suddenly con- mouthy and sweary, and you're like, who right. is this character? I mean, I she's don't... sweary from the beginning. Yeah. She's, she swears. I mean, that's, that, that, that is her. And the fact that she'd have to turn that off would probably be a little bit hard. But... I don't know. She just is so wide-eyed and, yeah. and easily, oh, okay, send me here and do this. And it, she's certainly the weakest narrative. And I'm sh- I, I know they had to get inside yeah. somehow. I get that. Um, and they're clearly going to team up. And then yeah, oh, yeah. What's, what's, uh, what's the character's name that's – I'm forgetting the – 
Well, now she's Aunt Victoria. Oh, right. Aunt Victoria. She was uh, Agnes, yes. I believe. That character um, is a little more believable, if only because you she feels right. blank in the way that anybody raised right. in Gilead who didn't know anything different might be. And you are still not convinced that that's Hannah. I am 100% committed to the fact that that is Hannah. you don't know anything, right? Like, for fact, or you just... I mean, I've been 100 committed. I... But you don't know anything. You haven't read anything. From what I've read in the book. In the book. No. Okay. I don't I know. thought it was Hannah from the very beginning, and I thought that it was supposed to, and I thought that simply by the way Atwood was telling it, that yeah. it, she wasn't trying to hide. Yeah. These are of Fred's two daughters yeah. that are going to come together with Lydia. Yeah. I didn't, I don't, I think that that's not supposed to be hidden. Okay. Um, that, I guess part of my brain is like, oh God, that really just means like, where's Alfred and like what? Right. You know, God, she never well, makes it out with her kid. Yeah. Um, well, we know she didn't make it out with Nicole because Nicole is hers. Well, she didn't make it out with Hannah. Right. Right. Yeah. No, well, she didn't make it out with Hannah in the first book. She gets on the. She's. Right. She steps on the, the truck without her. Yeah. And she's still pregnant. Yeah. So. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm wondering if there's going to be. We'll talk next week when we finish this, but I'm wondering if there's going to be like a Hannah gets out, Nicole dies. I don't know. We'll see. That's That's my weird prediction. Um, interesting. Yeah. We'll see Very where it goes. I looked up one thing which was super weird, but they kept talking about Ardura. Um, oh, right, right. The hall. And I'm like, what the right. hell does that mean? Because the then it was like, um, per Ardura cum estrus. I, I didn't take Latin, you guys. Sorry. Um, apparent, and now, apparently, British... <laughs> Australia. Oh wait, British, Australia, New Zealand, and the Canadian Royal Air Forces until 1968. Their uh, and let's remember, Atwood is Canadian. Their uh, motto was "Per Ardra Ad Astra." Wait, what? Are yes. Are you serious? Yes, what? which actually means "through struggle to the stars." Ardura um. is Latin for adversity, and so a rough translation of the Aunt Lydia's house where she trains the aunts is through struggle by heat which would is the menstrual cycle apparently the official translation is through childbirth labor with female uh female reproductive cycle so it's basically we struggle through childbirth and how they're always talking about how the pen is envy that the aunts are is Penis envy. Oh. It was a joke put in there to be okay. penis envy because okay. that's what it spells. Awesome. So two just weird little that's Atwood things. And, yes, that's yes. hilarious. Per Ardra ad Astra, Astra through struggle to the stars. Nice. All right, we will have final thoughts on the testaments next week. You have any we are reading? Yes, you had predictions. Yes, I do um, think all three of them to come together. I don't know who's going to die. Yeah, they're definitely coming together. I think yeah. they're already together. Yeah, they're all yeah. in. Adura, right? In the, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where you have struggle through childbirth. <laughs> exactly. With her fake tattoo and everything. Right. All right. Uh, oh, it's a real tattoo. It's just she right. didn't want it. Exactly. <laughs> um, so where can they talk to us? You can find us on Facebook. Search for the Nick's podcast. You can send us an email at emotion to Nick's at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at the Nick's podcast. And I'm at Fanny V. Darling. And I'm at Justin Hurton. See you next week.